From Smashing the Plateau, I'm David Schreiner-Kahn with Going Solo. In this show, we discuss building your own successful business after a late career job loss. I actually find the bigger issue is the potential damage to one's sense of self-worth and self-esteem and productivity. How can we get somebody back on track with having a sense of purpose and fulfillment in their work? Today on episode 87 of Going Solo, I'm speaking with Jeffrey Shaw. Jeffrey coaches high-achieving professionals who are becoming self-employed following a long corporate career. It's a transition filled with many challenges. Jeffrey has synthesized all the insights he's developed following his own career as a successful self-employed professional and as a coach into his new book, The Self-Employed Life, Business and Personal Development Strategies that Create Sustainable Success. Stay with us to hear all the details. If you'd like to share your story on going solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Now let's welcome Jeffrey Shaw. As a speaker and small business consultant, Jeffrey helps self-employed and small business owners gain control of their business in what seems like otherwise uncontrollable circumstances. Drawing on his experience as a renowned portrait photographer, Jeffrey shows business owners how to see business through a different lens and strategies to compose the often chaotic pieces of life and business into sustainable success. Jeffrey's TEDx Lincoln Square talk is featured on TED.com, and he's the host of the top-rated podcast, The Self-Employed Life, and author of The Self-Employed Life, Business and Personal Development Strategies that Create Sustainable Success, and also the book Lingo, Discover Your Ideal Customer's Secret Language and Make Your Business Irresistible. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Hey, David. I'm glad to be here with you. Um, glad to have you as a guest again. It's been a while since you were a podcast guest of mine, and I know you and I have gotten to know each other as fellow podcasters and having an opportunity to share the stage at one point. I'm a great admirer of your work and what you've done as a content creator and as an entrepreneur. And now you're coming out with a new book that I think is really badly needed among the sea of business books out there because it addresses a problem that is not well covered. Uh, it has to do with businesses where one person is the primary source of what is offered to the customer, a business that you call being self-employed. And much of what we discuss on both of my shows, Smashing the Plateau and Going Solo, is about how a high-achieving professional can leave a long corporate career and become a successful consultant or coach. It's a transition that is not simple. I experienced it myself, and I'm glad that I made the transition, but many people struggle with it. And what is it about their situation that caused you to write The Self-Employed Life? Because I know it's not exactly the path you followed, yet you have a lot to say about it. Yeah, I definitely do. So you're right. It's not the path I followed. I've always been self-employed. I've, I've uh, never had the you know, quote unquote real job or I've never received a paycheck from anybody else. But what I noticed over the last few years is that all my longest term coaching clients, those that I was working with for six months or more, they were almost all people that were transitioning from corporate to self-employment. Because as a you know, an expert or specialist of self-employment, of course, it makes turn sense to turn to somebody who has that area of expertise uh, when you want to fulfill that dream. But what really stood out to me is the bravery of the journey, 
right? To go from core, because, hey, I can only imagine what, in some ways, I think it's easier to have always been self-employed because it's all I've ever known. I wonder, David, honestly, would I have the guts, the bravery to leave a steady paycheck, that foundation for, you know, fulfillment in in self-employment? And, and, so working with these folks, I started questioning my own guts. Like, would I have had the guts to do that? I think it's profound. But I also noticed the commonalities. And the thing that stood out to me, and I share the story in the book, there was a gentleman, his name is Ted. When Ted reached out to me for coaching, he had left a, a company of 15 years that he had founded. It was his third company that he founded and, and left. So at 55 years old, he reached out to me uh, and he, he had no idea what his future held. He didn't have any ideas what he wanted to do next, but he was very clear he didn't want to get back into this grind and hustle mindset. But here's what he said, David, that stood out to me. He said, I'm not dead yet. And I actually said to him, that needs to be a blog. Like right there, more people need to hear that. And I that's where I understand those that are brave enough to make this transition because at, I'm 56. I've been in business for 36 years. This is sort of my second iteration. I was a high-end portrait photographer, family portrait photographer for 35 years. I still do very little of it. This is my six-second iteration. This is my second thing in life. And I feel the same way. I feel the same. It's like, I don't want to grind it out and hustle and be stupid, but I am nowhere near dead yet. So that's where I, I think I have the compassion and empathy to understand the bravery of the move. And honestly, David, I feel... It's so important for that transition to be held in good hands. I, I just don't know if you're of that age switching from corporate to self-employment, can you hand that over to the hands of a 30-year-old coach? I don't know. You know, I feel like I come to the table with a lot of experience and I really want to see these folks succeed. And I, I respect the bravery. And many of them don't have somebody who is mentoring them or coaching them or guiding them. And I also see so many people that struggle to find the right fit if they are looking for somebody to help them. Yeah, well, especially if they're coming from a, you know, perhaps in their past, they've received executive coaching. They've received perhaps other types of coaching that may or may not even been provided by the company. But here's the thing. What I know of a lot of internal coaching is, because I know so many coaches, often coaches are brought into a company to get that executive or that person to fit into the box of the company. It's not exactly usually to to bring out the best in the individual because the risk is often when you bring out, when people find the best in themselves, that's usually when they want to leave, right? It's when they, you know, if they find in themselves that they want to live a life of more meaning and purpose, those are the ones that are more likely to leave. So therefore companies don't usually hire somebody internally that's going to light somebody on fire. So I think it's a different, I think when you leave a corporate position, you really, you need a whole different type of coaching. I don't think it is the traditional internal executive coaching. I think it's you really need to, and a lot of times people come to me pretty like Ted did, a blank slate, you know, not really knowing what they want to do. And that happens to be, you know, you referenced in my bio, my background as a photographer and, and curating chaos. That is where my brain thrives because I actually love when people come to me as a blank slate or even confused. I don't know what I want to do with next. That to me is my, that's where I thrive because I'm really good at putting together pieces and helping people. It's like, that's what a photograph is, right? It's composing uh, separate pieces into a whole. So my brain just naturally thrives there. So I love to find in people and to kind of circle back as an example with Ted, 
ultimately we created for him a business that we we call uh actually used to refer to him as the Airbnb of C-suite executives. The fact of the matter is he had he's educated as a CFO, but he had CEO experience, COO experience, CMO experience. He just knew he didn't want long-term contracts. So we created kind of a, a timeshare C-suite uh, platform for him where he could be an interim CEO or an interim CFO, or he would take on a maybe a six-month contract at the most to get a company on their feet, or maybe it's a, a fast-growing company that needs a CFO to get them grounded until they hire somebody full-time. What a fantastic business this turned out to be for him because it gives him the flexibility he wanted and also still tapping into his past experience. But again, he came completely not knowing, having any idea of his direction. And that to me is actually what I, what I, what I love. Now, what happens when someone may not have a, a clue or a strong idea of what it is they think would be the right thing for them to do as the next step, but they feel a tremendous sense of time pressure because they've been pushed out of their corporate job and they there are usually a couple of things that are going on with folks like that. One is they may feel the financial pressure. They may need need to bring in the income. So they're, um, they feel like the clock is ticking. They, I would say they may have resources, so they're not going to be struggling to put food on the table. But on the other hand, they know that whatever their financial circumstances are, they do have to be bringing in income at some point, and probably the sooner the better. So there's there's that pressure. And the, the other pressure is, especially for high-achieving professionals that have had a long career, their calendar has always been full. They have always been in a position, not always, but but certainly for a number of years, they have been in roles where their inbox is always full, and people... More people have needed their time than they've had time to give. And then suddenly, their time is a blank slate. And that causes quite a bit of emotional distress in addition to um, perhaps some financial distress. How do you deal with that blank slate and try to find the right next step so that they're able to move forward, but they may feel like they can't take a huge amount of time to try to figure it out. Yeah, I and I actually think the latter scenario you gave is is the bigger issue. You know, it's uh so yeah, if there isn't a financial runway, that's definitely worthy of concern, but I actually find the bigger issue is the potential damage to one's sense of self-worth and self-esteem and productivity. And that actually I I'm always more concerned about. Like how can we get somebody back on track with having a sense of purpose and fulfillment in their work? And I find it doesn't, you know, once I take, I think clarity is one of the most underrated things we can achieve in the world. Uh, and as a coach myself, it's the hardest thing to sell. Like, it's just not a promise people buy into at surface level. Like, hey, work with me. I'm going to get you clear on your direction. I'm going to make you clear on your brand message. I'm going to make you clear on your future. It it has, it's a hard message to sell. And yet it's, it's, it's very hard because, right, because it's, it's not a concrete thing that you can offer at all. No. Right. You and I both know it's what changes. You see people's entire sense of being when they gain that clarity shift. I mean, that's when people step into commitment. That's when they step into a sense of purpose. That's when they get into action. So it actually is the thing that serves people the most. But to your point, right up front, it's the hardest thing to sell. So what I have found is a lot of people come to me that they actually have enough financial runway. The bigger issue is 
do not let it go on too long without finding that sense of purpose and fulfillment because your your self-worth is just going to take too much of a of a hit. And I'm sure this is true and I see I've seen it true for both men and women and quite honestly I probably coach more women than I do I not probably I definitely do. I definitely coach more women than men. You know, we have as men have likely banked a lot of our self-esteem in our career. And I find this to be even more so traumatic. It's interesting. I just recently launched so I've, as you said, I've got the podcast and then I recently launched a LinkedIn live show, which is specific to this topic, by the way. It's called From Corporate Life to Self-Employed Life because I became so sensitive to the audience on LinkedIn that needed this support. David, here's the crazy thing. It's almost a, a social experiment. On my podcast, I probably get approached by eight men to two women to be a guest on the show. When I put out that I was looking for guests for, uh, for the LinkedIn Live, it was completely reversed. Easily eight or nine women to men, to one man. And I thought that was a really interesting study, like the difference between the mentality. And I realized that, you know, a lot of women are probably more, perhaps they've adjusted to having to adjust their career throughout their lives. So maybe they have more stories of corporate to self-employment. I just find that that for those that lost their job, particularly since, you know, suddenly, the risk of loss of self-worth is huge for men. And it's, like I said, it's true of women as well. But I think that's the more urgent issue, honestly, is to, to, to get people to a sense of direction and purpose as quickly as possible. Mm-hmm. And when you say as quickly as possible, what kind of time frame are you talking about? You know, I wrote a blog article many years ago, which really stood out to me. It actually was the beginning of me thinking about the importance of this midlife experience. And it was called Life Can Turn on a Dime. Because the thing that always stood out to me is that what I love about working with people of a certain age is that truly our lives can turn on a dime. Like, and that's what also what I love about coaching, right? This is not therapy. This is not six months of figuring out, you know, where you're going. It, it can be, I would say within three months, people are pretty well-grounded, but I've also, I mean, light bulb moments. I mean, with Ted, the more I came to understand what he was looking for, those pieces that came together pretty quickly. And then what took longer was executing the branding of it, right? Then we had to build a website. We had to build a brand message. But even that could be executed pretty quickly. But, you know, David, I'm sure you've had similar experiences. There are some clients you might have to dig a little longer, and there are other times you can almost see it instantly. I'm working with a client now that... Um, you know, she she's pivoting how she wants to type of coach she wants to be. A little frustrated with being what has pretty much has been an internal coach, and a little frustrated with that because she feels like no matter what she does, she's forced to fit people into the box of the company, and she wants to unleash people better than that. So uh, we're looking at other ways that she can you know position herself for that. But I think our first phone call was a light bulb moment for her. So I would say safely within three months. I think someone can step into feeling the sense of purpose and direction that then can be applied and get into action. Okay, that's good to know. And Jeffrey, what advice can you offer for someone who really is a blank slate and feeling total chaos? What advice can you offer about how to start working towards clarity? Yeah, you know, it's a classic quote by Steve Jobs about connecting the dots. And that what I do especially my initial meetings with a client, uh, I usually have two 90-minute calls right up front to get to it quick. 
right? So I don't want it to drag on. I don't, you know, we'll get into 45 minute calls later when it's more sustainability. But in the beginning, I start with two 90 minute calls so we can get in there quick and, and figure things out. And I look at it as a fun interview. A couple of clients have said it's a bit of an interrogation, but they mean it in a good way because that's, that's what I'm after. It's like, I want to dig everything up. Like I, so that, and I tell them right front, I will take the bulk of the responsibility of connecting the dots, but I need you to be open to give me all the pieces, give me all the dots. What I have found continuously with, with people transitioning from corporate to self-employment is by the time they leave corporate by choice or by force, they're done. They are so done. <laughs> and I kind of had to pull them back a little bit. It's like, yeah, but there was so much value in that those times that you had. You know, what is the, uh, I worked with one client, for example, that she was done when she left corporate. But one day, more as a friend, I, she was a client I was working with, but I came to know her pretty well. One day I was out trying to figure something out, something out of my own mind. And I called her up and I asked for her advice on something. She gave me the advice. I hung up and I said, wait a minute. So I called her back. I said, do people tell you that you have a way of getting to the point, like cutting to the chase better than most people? Do people come to you for that? She goes, oh yeah, it's been the story of my life. Every board meeting, people always turn to Terry and say, Terry, what do you think? Because Terry had a way of cutting to the chase. I'm like, you know what? That has value in the world. We can actually build an entire coaching practice or consulting practice on that characteristic. She couldn't see it because it was so natural to who she is. It was so part of her innate personality. That's what I'm digging for. I'm digging for the pieces of people's innate characteristics, their skill sets, their resume of experience, not just at work, but education and even relationships. Sometimes we develop perspectives of how we see the world based on, you know, different various relationships in our world that we, in our lives. That's what my, my role is like to pick up the pieces and then test out. I, I refer to it as pointing. I'm not a, I'm not a real passive coach. I look at it as pointing, right? Let me get the information and let me point you in a direction. Let's test it. And I'd say nine, 99% of the time we're pointing the right direction, but I, I also want them to own it. And I want them to sit with it. What I refer to as like marinate it in a little bit and see how it feels and how it soaks in. But um, that's what this type of transitional coaching, this is what's required. Like you really need the help of somebody to see the pieces and then point you in a suggested direction to which to try out. Now, Jeffrey, one of the things that I noticed in, in your book is that you refer to folks that fit this profile as being self-employed. There are a lot of different terms that are often used, uh, solopreneur, freelancer, consultant. Why do you call them self-employed? So, and this is actually uh, kind of one of the missions of the book, honestly, because I think it's incredibly important that we own the term. And in fact, it was my opinion, but then I've also had the chance to, I interviewed the CEO from, get this, David, you probably didn't even know this organization existed, either did I. They've been around for decades. It's called the National Association for Self-Employed, N-A-S-E, NACE. I even said to him, I said, fantastic organization. You guys are doing amazing work, but you're terrible marketers. <laughs> I would agree because until I saw it in your book, right. I had never heard of them either. Yeah. How is it I've been in business for 35 years as a self-employed person and didn't know there was an organization for me, but they do good work. And, but they validated how you know, important it is to identify as being self-employed. And where this became really clear for me was during the, the beginning of the pandemic, when there started becoming grumbling of the CARES Act, I immediately went into my very protective mode for myself and others thinking, great, this is going to be another time in history where it's going to be defined as small businesses. The financial assistant is going to be defined for small businesses, for which 
most of us probably aren't going to qualify because there's going to be a minimum number of employees. And self-employed people are so used to just taking the hit, taking the hit to the chin and moving on and finding our own way. We don't even imagine our government is going to turn to us to help us. So that's when I realized the power and NASE would validate that it is incredibly important moving forward that we identify as self-employed because we small business is up to 500 people. In my book, I actually break down term by term. Freelancer, you know, I get it. You know, you have freedom to choose, but it also sounds like you're just wandering. Like there's no direction. What I love about self-employed is that that's why my book is called The Self-Employed Life because calling yourself self-employed identifies your lifestyle, how, how you integrate and live with your business, and it's your business model. And that's what's something I really like about it. You know, even entrepreneur, I get it. We all use the term. It has a sex appeal to it. But you know what? In today's world, saying you're an entrepreneur could mean you're, quote unquote, in between jobs, right? It doesn't speak to the business model. It doesn't say that you this is income generating and that you have a business model behind it. So yeah, I'm a huge fan of seeing people adapt to actually referring to themselves as self-employed. Now, if you were going to step back and look at someone who is leaving corporate after somewhere between 20 and 30 years, either by design or by circumstance, and they are set to make it as a self-employed person for the rest of their working life, what are some of the, the steps you would suggest they go through? Mm-hmm. So and I, I'd say that's really the, the heart and meat of the book. Let's say heart. It actually sounds better. But uh, the, the, the idea for the book started with the idea that for years, I've always asked self-employed people, oh, you know, why'd you go into business? And I realized everyone has some variation of the same answer. Everyone says, especially those that had the choice, it was they wanted to control their destiny or their future or the hours they worked, to which I always say, and how is that going for you? And everybody laughs because the myth of of, uh, self-employment is it's actually nothing like that. Like we think we're going to gain all this, this control, but we're entering almost completely uncontrollable circumstances. So what in answer to your question, what I like to see people do, and that is just, like I said, it's the heart of the book, is what I introduced called the self-employed ecosystem. You know what? Business is unpredictable. The world is unpredictable. Life is unpredictable. I mean, just who would have imagined, you know, all the things that we've seen in, in our lifetimes? The best we can do, your best shot at success is to create and control the environment you set up for the results you want. That I realized, and my previous book is called Lingo, and it actually took the editor of that book to point out to me when I was writing the second book, The Commonality, because I actually, I reached out to my prior editor. My first book was self-published. My second book is with a publisher, so a different editing team. But I reached out to my prior editor. I was like, are you seeing a connection here or am I just going off on a tangent? Because that's another thing, right? We self-employed people are always accused of chasing squirrels, so I'm thinking I'm going off on a tangent. And she said, how is it you're not seeing the connection here? She goes, what you do what your superpower is, you help people create the environment for the results you want. Lingo was about the environment of brand messaging to attract your ideal customers. The self-employed ecosystem introduced, introduced in this book is creating the environment by through your personal development, your business strategies, your daily habits and mindsets, that, that triad that creates the most thriving environment, well-rounded and complete environment for success. That if you've set that up, you know, hey, there's no science to back 80%, 90%, 99%, I don't know. But all I do know after 36 years of being in business is that you do have control of the environment to get the results you want. And amazingly, you almost always get the results you want. 
That's where the control lies because the circumstances around us are out of control, but we can control the environment we set up for the results we want. And, you know, I've been on a number of podcasts that have asked me about my a failure story. And I always struggle with that because it's like, I don't see anything. If I've set up the environment for the results I want and I gave it my all, I don't see failure in that. And that is the only way I've ever done business is to, to be very clear on the results I want, take the right steps, a little bit of hope for the best. But, you know, if I've done, if I've, if, if I've set up the environment for myself and for my clients, I look at it as the results are almost guaranteed, almost guaranteed. And one of the things in the book that I think really exemplifies that is what I refer to as the business model of multiples, which is a really in-depth understanding of diverse income streams, but the real power of it. I describe it in the book as standing before a control panel of levers and knowing what those income streams are, knowing, being control those levers to say, which ones do I want to ramp up and which ones do I want to pull down or which ones are being pulled down for me? Such was the case for me last year with professionally speaking, right? That lever got yanked down so fast because every event got canceled. But I immediately turned to other levels and said, okay, let me ramp this up like my brand messaging work that I do for businesses' uh, websites. And that carried me through the whole year. And that is a level lever of, it's, it's yes, it's diverse income streams, but it's at a whole other level of thinking when you think of it as being a control panel of levers that you are in control of that's control of your your destiny as one chooses uh, to to find when they become self-employed. Right, which as a self-employed individual, you can make these kinds of pivots really easily, which puts you at a huge advantage compared to much bigger companies that have a much harder time of making quick changes. So Jeffrey, yeah, as I said at the outset, I have read and continue to read lots and lots of business books. I have yet to see one that covers what you cover in the way you cover it. I think it's a, a brilliant synthesis of elements that are really critical to the success of the self-employed uh, self-employed business, uh, self-employed individual, somebody who wants the self-employed life as you describe it. And I recommend it highly to anyone who is um, trying to figure out what those levers are that going that are going to help them be as successful as possible. Now, for anybody who wants to go deeper with anything we've discussed today, uh, you have a whole host of resources. You've been creating content for many years. Get a copy of your book when it comes out. And I know you also, um, as you've mentioned, you, you do some events and you have one coming up. Where's the best place for them to go and access any of these resources you have? Yeah, so um, I've literally tried to create this whole world on a single web page, and it's uh, the selfemployedlife.me, the selfemployedlife.me. Uh, so that's where you can pre-order the book. There are other resources, uh, articles I've written on the topic, uh, etc. And the event you mentioned, which uh, at the time of this broadcast, uh, there will still be time. So the event is Self-Employed Summit, uh, which is April twelfth and thirteenth. David, I've called, I've called in probably my only favor cards I will ever get <laughs> by calling upon 10 of my professional speaker friends that normally charge anywhere between 10 to $35,000 a gig. And they're doing this 
for free for me and this community of self-employed people. This is going to be a platform like no other. They all just believe in this mission of getting and you know, honestly, Dave, the mission shifted. You know, this was an idea I had, but as this pandemic went on, we realized that there's a whole other sense of urgency here. Now it's mission-based. Now we need to help small businesses and the millions of people that have lost their jobs. We need to help them get back on their feet. So in these two days, we have a well-rounded group of 10 speakers that are going to deliver on that promise to get people back on, in all three categories of my own self-employment ecosystem of personal development, business strategies, and daily habits. The access to the summit, uh, again, it is a priceless event, but we decided the best we could do is just, it's a, it's complimentary with a pre-ordering of my book. And I intentionally held the summit before my book launch because I didn't want the I didn't want the summit to be about my book, but we decided that the entrance into the summit, the ticket to the these 10 speakers could be pre-ordering the book uh, and keep it simple because I couldn't come up with a price tag that would reason. And I was like, how do you charge people thousands of dollars to get the support they need to get back on their feet if they've lost a job? There was just no way of doing it in integrity <laughs> other than, hey, pre-order the book for $17.95 and you now have access to the summit. It was the only way we could do it in integrity, I think. Well, it's, uh, it couldn't be more reasonable. Uh, Jeffrey, I want to thank you again for coming back as a guest and uh, being here today on Going Solo. My guest today has been small business consultant Jeffrey Shaw. Thank you again, Jeffrey, for joining us. David, it's really been a pleasure. And thank you for doing this work. I think it's a really important message. When you visit the Going Solo website, you'll find a summary of each episode along with the links we mentioned on the show. Today, we learned how to build a successful self-employed life following a long corporate career. If you'd like to share your story on Going Solo, please get in touch with me at smashingtheplateau.com. Remember to subscribe on whatever platform you listen on and leave a review if you can. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our show. I'll see you on our next episode.